I invite you to turn in your pew Bibles to page 1,894 where we find our scripture reading tonight, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 through 21. The sermon is going to cover verses 16 through 21, um, but... It's sort of a little bit of an overlap from the last um, sermon, but I thought it was important that we connect these two um, concepts together of what Peter was saying last time about personal eyewitness testimony and then what he's saying tonight about um, the reliability of God's Word. So, here now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible Word. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word, may he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. So, um, there's a long-standing debate um, about which media is better. And uh, a lot of times in, in these days, it's, it's about this. Which one's better, the book or the movie? Or the TV show, right? Um, I told you guys uh, some time ago that um, I was a big fan of this large, scoping um, fantasy series that's 14 books long called The Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan. The first book was written in 1990. The last book was written in 2012. Um, the, uh, the, uh, the author, Robert Jordan, actually passed away before he could finish it. And so his widow, who was also his editor, had to hire another author, who's, who's now my favorite author, um, to finish this, this series. Well, The Wheel of Time is now Amazon's biggest new TV show, streaming TV show on their streaming platform. And, I, and because I'm a big nerd, I'm in all these conversation groups on Facebook about the Wheel of Time, Wheel of Time fan groups, Wheel of Time book and TV discussion. And this debate is raging on and on right now because you have fans of the books divided over whether the TV show is good um, whether it's not, a, it's not good because they didn't adapt the, the books word by word, scene by scene. And this is something that's gone on with the Harry Potter books that were turned into Harry Potter movies, the Lord of the Rings books that were turned into to movies. I mean, what they did to The Hobbit, I can't even begin to tell you the damage they did to that original material. I, I mean, seriously. So the never-ending debate is which one is better, the book or the movie? Well, I'm, this is what I usually say about that. The book's always going to be better. Because when you read the book, you're making the movie that you would make. You're imagining everything the way you imagine things. And when somebody turns the book into a movie, they're doing it the way they do it. And they can't fit everything in the movie that's in the book. 
They're just, they can't, right? Well, the same question could be asked of the Bible. <coughs> Which one is better? The real historical events, um, right? Or the recording and preservation of them in, in God's word. So it's sort of like a reversal of which one's better, the book or the, the, the movie or the TV show. Because it's like, which one's better, the fact that these events actually happen, or that they're recorded and preserved in God's word. You know, this is a question that Peter seeks to address for his audience. And it's something that's important for us today. Because there are many, um, many relevant pastors and popular pastors who minimize the importance of God's word and say all we need is, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they point to the, to the fact that there's a lot of evidence that this is a real historical event. And you don't even have to use God's word. You don't even have to use the Bible to, to, to come to that conclusion. And so what's more important is that Jesus really lived and died, uh, not, not the Bible. Well, I would say, how do we know that Jesus really lived and died? It's because the Bible tells us so, right? So our theme tonight is more like a question. Do we rightly revere God's word? Do we rightly revere God's word? We have three points. The word of personal testimony. Second point is the word made more certain. And the third point is the nature of the word. So the word of personal testimony, the word made more certain, and the nature of the word. The word of personal testimony is what we read about in verses 16 uh, through 18. Last time um, I came to you uh, in, in the evening service and, and, and preached about the importance of personal testimony or the power of personal testimony, um, I talked about how it, it is a good thing that we have a personal experience with Christ. It's a good thing that we have uh, stories that we can tell about the way that Christ has impacted our lives. And, and oftentimes, people are more willing to hear about those things before they're willing to hear about um, what God's Word says about them, whether, they're, you know, the fact that they're a sinner, that they need a Savior, that kind of thing, right? Um, and, and so, um, I, I, I said there's value. There's value in personal testimony. And there was value in personal testimony to Peter, because he said when he was writing to his audience in 2 Peter, we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So the contrast here is cleverly invented stories, which I believe is an allusion to what he is about to talk to uh, us about in, in chapter 2, which is false teachers. 
um, in what they're doing in the church. He's saying they're inventing, they're cleverly inventing stories, but we, uh, eyewitnesses, right? Peter's saying my eyewitness testimony is important because I want you to know it really happened. This is not a cleverly invented story. Now, some of us have probably heard maybe personal testimonies that seems like cleverly invented stories, maybe about how big of a fish somebody caught or, you know, whatever it might be, all right? Um, Peter's saying, what I'm telling you about is not that. We were eyewitnesses. And then he gives a personal eyewitness testimony to uh, his experience, particularly on the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, Peter says, he receives honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven, and when we were with him there on the sacred mountains. So this is a Mount of Transfiguration. This is when uh, Jesus took the three of them up onto the mountain. There uh, Moses and, and Elijah appeared, and they spoke to Jesus. Jesus was revealed in all his glory. Um, he started uh, shining like Rudolph's red nose. He was, uh, he was glorious. And it was something that was uh, just transformative for Peter. He didn't know what to do. He's like, Lord, we should just hang out here. We should make tents and just live up here forever. Um, and this is something that he experienced. This is something he experienced firsthand, Right? And so there is the word of personal testimony. There is, uh, for Peter's, in Peter's instance, the fact that he was somebody who walked with Jesus. He was somebody who experienced the real historical events that are recorded in the Bible. He was somebody who, who, who he spoke to Jesus personally. Jesus was some, uh, his friend. Jesus was somebody who he spent three years, four years of his life with, going around the promised land Teaching, preaching, the word of personal testimony, particularly apostolic personal testimony, is powerful because it roots the fact that Jesus really was a historical person. Jesus really walked on this earth. Jesus really had interactions with Peter, Paul, with John, James. The word of personal testimony um, is something that um, we shouldn't minimize, but it is something that we should put in its rightful place. And that's why I think it's important that we see what Peter does with the word of personal testimony. He is somebody Who experienced these realities firsthand, right? But he understands that the audience that he's writing to have known, right? He understands that the audience that he's writing to, they have not um, experienced Christ the way that he experienced Christ, the way that John experienced Christ, the way that James experienced Christ. And so how can he give them the confidence that what they have really is true, good. And this is what Peter says. He says, I have this personal eyewitness 
testimony. But if I die, the testimony dies with me. And so what does Peter say? We have the word of the prophets made more certain. Made more certain. He's saying, I don't want to keep what I experienced firsthand something that I just keep in my memories for myself. And neither does God. He said, what I witnessed personally, what I witnessed with my own eyes, what I witnessed on the Mount of Transfiguration is something that's meant to be recorded so that it can be seen and heard about and told in perpetuity. So Peter is putting the word of personal testimony in its rightful place. He's making it less valuable than what he's calling the word of the prophets made more certain. The word of the prophets made more certain is the recording of God's word. Peter's saying, don't look at me and think I have the real thing. I have what it really, what's really important. Don't look at me and say, well, because I'm an apostle and I walked with Jesus and I was one of his disciples and I had this personal eyewitness experience that you lack something because you don't have that. You see what he's saying? He's saying, you don't lack that. In fact, you have the word of the prophets made more certain. Made more certain. You can depend on the certainty of God's word. We're coming upon a time in which there will be no more World War II veterans who are alive. I think about that. There's not very many left as it is. And oftentimes you hear about it's really important that we record what it is that they experienced, that we get it on video or that we um, sit down and have an interview with them and we ask them, What's it, what was it like for them and what did they experience, right? How much more important do you think it is that God's word be recorded, that the events of the life of Christ and the spreading of the gospel and the church is that this be something that's recorded? That this be something that's preserved? And this is, in a very real sense, what um, Article 2 and Article 3 of the Belgian Confession of Faith are talking about. Article 2 says there's two ways that we know God, right? And the first way is through creation. Um, creation reveals God, but it only reveals God enough to leave us without excuse. And that's because of uh, the, the curse, the fall, and sin. Um, we cannot know God fully and rightly just by having the lens of creation. And so, it, you know, you often hear about these, um, these uh, tribes that um, are isolated and people will come to these tribes and tell them about Jesus and say, well, we knew, about, we knew about God, but we didn't know about Jesus. 
That's this kind of reality, right? Um, the, the, the creation r- reveals the invisible things of God, even His everlasting power and divinity. Um, but all it does is make it sufficient to convince men and leave them without excuse. So He makes Himself more clearly and fully known to us by His holy and divine word, that is to say, as far as is necessary for us to know in this life, to um, so. What does the word do for us? It provides us with the opportunity to know him more clearly and fully. (coughs) Clearly and fully. So, Peter says, we have the word of the prophets made more certain. And you will do well to pay attention to it. And he calls the word of God a light. The Psalms say, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. You will do well to not think about yourself as somebody who has has something less than because you're not like me who has a personal eyewitness testimony of being somebody who walked with Christ, who saw Christ in his glory. You would do well to know that you have the word of of the prophets made more certain. You have the word of God written down and preserved, and you ought to pay attention to this as a light shining in a dark place. You ought to know that this word is everything you need for you to know in this life to his glory, to God's glory and our salvation. And Article 3 says, we confess that this word of God was not sent nor delivered by the will of man, but that men spake from God by being moved by the Holy Spirit. And that's what moves us then to our third point, the nature of the word. Verse 20 to 21. Peter says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. And so, um, this is not a, a personal invention of prophets. This is not their own creative ideas. Uh, For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Men spoke from God carried along by the Spirit. So what is the nature of the Word of God? This is the question that um, the Belgian Confession is answering. The written Word of God. We confess that this Word of God was not sent nor delivered by the will of man, but that men spake from God being moved by the Holy Spirit, as the Apostle Peter says. And then afterwards, God, from a special care which He has for us, and our salvation, commanded His servants, the prophets and apostles, to commit His revealed Word to writing he himself wrote with his own finger the two tables of the law. Therefore, we call such writings holy and divine scriptures. 
This is what Peter is saying. Um, Peter is saying that the scriptures are not the creation of man alone. That God uses men. He uses their backgrounds, their unique personalities, their unique positions and situations and education levels. He uses, uh, he doesn't take them over and take control of their body and then turn them into robots who simply write these things down. That's not what the Word of God is. But men speak from God as they are carried along by the Spirit. This is, a, this is not um, a creation of man. This is something that God is doing. This is something that God is making. Uh, the way that Paul describes this is that all Scripture is breathed out by God. It's God-breathed. All Scripture is inspired by God. And so, the nature of the word that Peter is talking about here He's saying that we're moving from the realm of personal eyewitness testimony like I have experienced to the realm of personal, powerful revelation of God found in his written down, preserved word. He's saying, I might have a personal eyewitness experience with Christ, but now you have the power of that transcribed and put here in God's word that God will continue to use through the power and operation of the Holy Spirit to impact the lives of those who hear this. No prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. This is not something that people think of on their cells, on their own flip of a dime. Prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter wants his audience to know that they have something that is more certain, more reliable, more dependable than his very own experience. Experience can't be everything. In our day and age, it seems like uh, people want to add another sola to the five solas of the Reformation. And the, the, the sixth sola would be sola feels. Well, I feel like that's unloving. I feel like that's not the way that we should show the love of Christ. I feel... We become ruled by our feelings and our emotions... We become ruled by our personal experiences. A very good uh, explanation of this or example of this will be, you'll see somebody say, well, no, homosexuality is wrong. Homosexual marriage is wrong. Um, you know, that's, that's not what's taught in God's word. That it's supposed to, marriage is supposed to be between a man and a woman. That any sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman, any sexual activity outside marriage between a man and a woman is, is wrong. It's sinful. It's, uh, it's, it's not good. It's not for, um, um, for the good of, of, of those people. And then they'll, they'll have somebody, a, a loved one that they know, uh, maybe a, a, a child or a, a son or a daughter say, hey, you know, I'm actually gay. And then it's like their mind has changed instantly. 
Well, now I've experienced somebody who I can tell loves God and, and you know, and is in many ways a better Christian than I am. But they're but they're gay, so it can't be right what what God's word says, because I have this experience. You see what I'm saying? Peter's saying, I, even though I have this experience that is an amazing experience of being on the top of a mountain and seeing Christ in all his glory and hearing God speak these words to him, I'm telling you, don't trust your experience. You can count, though, on the reliability of God's word. Do we rightly revere God's word? Uh, so many people today want to criticize those who hold to a high view of scripture. Um, they want to say, well, we, they believe in the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Book, or the Holy Bible, you know, as if um, we're making the scriptures another person of the Trinity, or I guess that would be four people. I think it's just a way for people who are not grounded because they have a trustworthy, reliable source of truth in their life. I mean, do you know how many lies are being told out in this world today? They're coming at you left and right. I mean, I could give you Many examples, but I will spare you, okay, of how fake the media is and how many narratives are being spun. Do you have somewhere you can go that you know you can trust? Like I always say, who's fact-checking the fact-checkers? This needs no fact checker. God breathed this. God inspired it. God preserved it. And one of the coolest things that the Belgian Confession of Faith says about this is that afterwards, God, from a special care which he has for us and our salvation. You see what the Belgian Confession of Faith is saying, right? He's saying because God cared for us and for our salvation, he ordained, he commanded that his servants, the prophets and apostles, commit his revealed word to writing and preserve it for us. When we rightly revere the word of God, we're not making a mockery of the Trinity. We're not turning the Bible into an idol. We are trusting the God who gave us the word. So, uh, my, uh, my challenge to you all is, what do you think is better? The real life events that inspired the book we called the Bible or the Bible? I'd say that debate is unnecessary because what God has given us is the Bible. And we should receive that as a great and wonderful gift. And we should trust it, knowing that it's reliable.
Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you, Lord, that we know Christ because your word has revealed him to us. You've used your word and the Holy Spirit to reveal your son, Jesus Christ, to us. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we would rightly revere your word, that we would trust it, and that we would know that we have everything that we need for life and godliness here summarized in the scriptures, that we have all that is necessary for us to know in this life to your glory and our salvation, that we can know you more clearly and fully because of your holy and divine word. Uh, and then we're so thankful, Lord, that because you had a special care for us and for our salvation, um, you commanded your servants, the prophets and apostles to commit your revealed word to writing. And so we call these words, this word, holy and divine scriptures. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to know them more deeply. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.